close them to the truth okay guys um i actually really like that song that was a good cover of it um <laughs> it's tuesday right september 7th welcome to the tori says show it's 2021 september 7th <laughs> and i am actually fried um today was uh, a bit tasking uh it was um i don't know I felt like I didn't get a lot done because I was kind of inert for about eight hours and I feel like now I'm playing catch up. <laughs> but the good thing is, is that things were done. I wanted to bring something to your attention so you can just see how much the system hates you. But before I do, I want to introduce you to the legal system. I want to introduce you what the difference is, hold on, um, where is it? The difference between federal courts and state courts. I don't think a lot of people know. They just know, oh yeah, one's called federal and one calls state. One does little stuff, the other one big stuff. Actually, that's not the difference. Um, but I wanted to introduce you to that. So Since you the colonies got together and declared independent. So you can understand what I'm about to show you. Let me get this up for you. Okay, take a listen. Since the colonies got together and declared independence from Britain, the state governments have had an interesting relationship. In fact, until the Constitution was agreed upon, there was a lot of fighting over just how much of this independence that these states had just fought for would have to be given up to the new federal government they were creating. The structure they came up with is two in one. An overlapping system where each state had its own government, and the new country had one as well. Separate and apart from the state governments, 
we call that government the federal government. And by government, we mean all three branches, the executive, the legislative, and of course, the judicial, which are the court systems. So each state has its own laws and its own courts, and the federal government has its own laws and courts. And just to make it extra complicated, either court, state or federal, can enforce the laws made by the other. It can be confusing because sometimes the federal courthouse is right across the street from the state courthouse. Which one is the right one for you? The answer depends on the court's jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is the court's power to hear certain kinds of cases. The rule of thumb is that state courts have the broadest jurisdiction. It may be the opposite of what you would guess, but the state courts have the power to hear a much bigger variety of cases than federal courts. So the majority of ordinary cases are most likely to be tried in state court. State courts handle about 30 times the cases the federal court does every year, which works out to around 90% of the total caseload. But federal court will take over in special situations. For example, federal courts have jurisdiction over cases where the United States is involved as a party and cases involving direct violations of the U.S. Constitution or federal statutes. This is called federal question jurisdiction. Federal courts can also hear cases between people from different states if it's for an amount over $75,000. This is called diversity jurisdiction. Federal jurisdiction also covers cases dealing with bankruptcy, patenting, copywriting, or maritime law. That's the ocean. However, if a state law violates a federal law or the Constitution, this can be argued in state court. But it's important to remember that federal and state court work side by side, and one is not superior to the other. Each recognizes the other's potential jurisdiction over a case. Whether you're going to court locally or dealing with the big guys, Legal U is there to help you prepare for it all. Okay, so I just gave this company like <laughs> free advertising. I didn't know there was an ad at the end. I didn't watch it that far. But so I wanted to advise you on, you know, what federal lawsuits we are now filing in every single state. Kentucky's going to be filing. There's more filings going on this week in Ohio. And it's really important that people understand it, that the filing that we put down was a violation of civil liberties. Therefore, we took it to federal court. The great thing about federal court is, is that if you file appeal and you're denied and you lose, you go straight to SCOTUS. That's number one. Okay. Number two, as I said, you know, before, during the cases, we filed temporary restraining orders against the school districts. Now, it gets a little bit weird because for some reason, even though I filed pro se and every judge does whatever they want in their court, let's take the example of where I'm at. I'm in the Northern District of Ohio in Cleveland. There are 15 judges. I was assigned a senior judge. He seems to be a great judge, knows his stuff, but his assistant, damn, she hates me. But we'll keep that audio for another time. <laughs> In the meantime, let's take a look at what a temporary restraining order is and what a preliminary injunction is. And then I'll explain to you what's going on. Because it's always great to learn the differences. Law. Please enjoy. Welcome to Learn About Law. My name is Kevin O'Flaherty from O'Flaherty Law, and today we're going to talk about preliminary injunctions and temporary restraining orders. So what is an injunction? 
An injunction is a court order basically telling someone to do or not do something. It's an equitable remedy, which differs from a legal remedy. A legal remedy is just money damages that you get awarded in a lawsuit to compensate you for an injury or some other monetary loss. Um, an equitable remedy is anything but money damages. Courts prefer to issue money damages rather than equitable remedies like an injunction because an injunction requires court oversight and it often has litigation following its wake. So in order for a court to enter an injunction, uh, the person seeking the injunction has to show that there's no adequate remedy at law, no adequate monetary remedy that would compensate them. Um, and if they were, if an injunction wasn't entered, they'd suffer irreparable harm. So that's basically the test for when an injunction is going to be entered. And again, an injunction is an order telling someone to do or not do something. Um, so let's now talk about what a preliminary injunction and a temporary restraining order is. Uh, temporary restraining orders and preliminary injunctions are basically placeholders to prevent harm until a final in permanent injunction can be entered. Because a permanent injunction requires notice to all parties, it requires a full hearing on the merits, and then a final permanent injunction is entered requiring, unless it's appealed or changed later, requiring someone to permanently do or not do something. But sometimes when you're seeking an injunction, it's important to get an order stopping that type of behavior immediately before a full hearing can happen on the merits. So when will a court enter a preliminary injunction? Um, a court will enter a preliminary injunction when four things are true. One, the plaintiff has to be likely to succeed in the case. So the plaintiff has to show that even though we're not having a full hearing on the merits, that when we do, there's a good chance I'm going to win. Uh, number two is a balancing of the equities. And this is a little bit tricky. Basically, the harm that would suffer if a, it, that, that the defendant would suffer if an injunction was wrongly entered has to be less than the harm that the plaintiff would suffer if an, inju if an injunction wrongly wasn't entered. So the court has, has to say, I'm thinking about entering this preliminary injunction before hearing all of the evidence in the case. What's the outcome for each party? if I'm wrong about this. And that's kind of the balancing of the equities. There's got to be more harm to the plaintiff in it if the injunction isn't entered than to the defendant if the injunction is entered. The third factor that the courts need to find in order to enter a preliminary injunction is that the plaintiff will suffer irreparable harm if the injunction isn't entered. Um, irreparable harm, again, means that something that can't be compensated with monetary damages. And fourth, the injunction has to be serving a public interest. It can't be against the public interest. So if those four things are true, the plaintiff can go into court and get a preliminary injunction entered, and that will be a placeholder and be in effect until the final hearing on the merits when a permanent injunction will either be entered or, or the case will be dismissed. So how does a temporary restraining order differ from a preliminary injunction? For all intents and purposes, the effect is the same. A temporary restraining order like a preliminary injunction or a permanent injunction is an order telling someone to do or not to do something. Uh, but a temporary restraining order can be entered without the same amount of notice and hearing required as a preliminary injunction. So it can be entered without even allowing the defendant to appear on an emergency basis, but it only lasts for 10 days. So often what will happen is if there's an emergency, you'll get a temporary restraining order for 10 days until a preliminary injunction hearing can be held. 
then you'll get a preliminary injunction until a final permanent injunction can be uh, can be held. Temporary restraining orders can be entered in uh, cases of domestic violence, and and they're basically they're most commonly entered as say away orders in, in order to protect the individual. And the person seeking the temporary restraining order in those situations has to be able to show that there's too much risk if we give notice of of the temporary restraining order hearing, or if there's any delay uh, of basically injury to the person seeking the temporary restraining order. So that's what you need to know about preliminary injunctions and temporary restraining orders. Uh, there's there are basically three steps on the way to a permanent injunction. Temporary restraining order is the most short-term. Preliminary injunction is the band-aid between the temporary restraining order and a final permanent injunction. And then the permanent injunction stays in place uh, until it is either appealed or courts go into, uh, or someone, the situation changes in order to make it uh, irrelevant. So if you have any more questions about injunctions or any other area of law, you can leave a comment uh, on, on our comments section or go to learn-about-law.com to check out more of our videos and articles. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. All right, guys. So here's where we're going. Now, I filed a temporary restraining order, which means it's an emergency order, and that needs to be in place for like 10, 14 days, right? I filed it on Thursday morning. The judge didn't have it on his desk till Friday. And then on Friday, I spoke with the judge and the judge was like, all right, well, did you serve them? And I'm like, well, they're probably being served right, served right now um, because yesterday I filed it, process server and all. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. I'll call you on Monday. And I was like, you mean Tuesday because it's Labor Day. Yeah, 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 we'll do that. So I called on Tuesday and the judge was, uh, which is today, and the judge wasn't available, but then the judge called me back and um, the judge called me back and said, okay, here's what we're doing. Um, who'd you serve this person? Did you file the receipts? No, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Since I'm not allowed to file it electronically, I have to physically come over there and deposit the documentation. He was like, okay, so Thursday morning, this Thursday morning at 11 o'clock, I have a preliminary injunction hearing. It's obviously not the TRO, even though they say that they're hearing the TRO. You don't have hearings for the TRO. You have them for preliminary injunctions. The judge was very nice. And he said, you know, you'll be able to bring uh, more evidence if you like for discussion. I'll tell you what, when, um, I do have this preliminary injunction, even though I asked for a, a TRO, a temporary restraining order. The next thing I'm filing is for a permanent injunction. Um, so just so you understand the merits to have a preliminary injunction, which means it will stay until we have court, is number one, that I am likely to succeed. You understand? That's number one. Number two, the children and my child have more chances of having irreparable harm than the school board. Number three, you can't buy the kids' health and their psychological status. Therefore, that's satisfied. And number four, it's got to be in the public interest, which it is. So... Just so you guys understand, so on Thursday at 11 a.m., I'm having uh, the preliminary injunction hearing. Um, it's a judge was a Clinton appointee, has been there for a while. 
Um, every judge works their court differently. Um, for some reason, his assistant hates me. I guess maybe she likes masks or doesn't, you know, I don't know. Or maybe she Googled me and was like cracking bullshit. Maybe she like hates Trump too, but it doesn't matter. The judges don't look at things like that. They look at the law. And if you guys actually read the case, you'd see how ironclad it is. So we're good. Um, regardless, if any, if, you know, Satan breaks the leg on this donkey, it's okay. There's something called appeal. And then after that, there's SCOTUS. There's no state dilly-dallying, okay? So that's that. Um, but something weird happened today. So another um, four different school districts were sued in the same court. And it was really weird, right? Because I'm going to show you these are all the judges in that district. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 judges. And here's the thing. When I filed my case and it was 1711, I was assigned to Judge Solomon Oliver. This morning, Kay filed and got Judge Sarah Loy. Then, um, Melia filed and she got Judge John R. Adams. But then 20 minutes later, um, we had Molly file. She also got John Adams. Then Patrick filed, and he also got John Adams, which is really weird. They're all from different districts. So three consecutive filings gave the same judge. So here's where it gets weird, and I'm just like, I even said something to the clerk, like, first time, whatever, second time, okay, but third time? So, um... Here is the civil rules of federal court, right? And I want you guys to understand this. These are the federal rules of civil court. Hold on, and I'll read it. Rule 3.1 says assignment of cases, related cases, refiled, dismissed, and remanded cases. To assign a case, subject to the latter provisions of this rule upon filing, each civil case shall be assigned by random draw to a district judge. Hmm. He or she shall continue in the case of this matter until its final disposition. Hmm. Any case received from the random draw may be transferred with the concurrence of receiving district judge and the approval of a chief, chief judge. Hmm. A motion to file a new civil case or complaint under seal shall be randomly assigned to a district judge who will continue to preside. Okay, so the odds of getting one of those judges is 6.6%, right? It's 15 of them. Of getting one, so it's like getting John Adams, you got a 6.6% chance, percent chance to get him. And then consecutively filing, meaning you're the next filing number. So filing number 1731 got John Adams. Filing one, seven, three, two, 
also got John Adams. And that is a 0.04% chance that you get the judge. And if you um, actually do the math, the chances of it being consecutive are 0.000072%. So then for a third consecutive to get John Adams, because case one, seven, three, three also got the same judge. And it was a consecutively filed civil case. The odds are 0.00002%. It's pretty bizarre. It's equal to the percentage of you dying from COVID, right? The COVID odds is, <laughs> is how you get three consecutive cases filed to be randomly, and I'm using air quotes, assigned to the same judge. Now, one would assume, oh, maybe they're just throwing it under the same, you know, um, judge to get one ruling. You can't because two of them are t have TROs with them and the other one doesn't. And they're all three different school districts with different, uh, you know, appendices, different regulations, different everything. So it's really bizarre how that happened. I mean, I'm not saying something fishy went on, but I'm just saying fish titties, right? It just, I don't know. It just seems really bizarre and it's a viol clear violation of rule 3.1 in the federal court system, civil rules. So it's, um, it, I mean, that doesn't happen, right? And I want you guys to know that uh, it's a great thing that I filed in the uh, federal court system to see it as a pro se. I can tell you, you know, you pay $402 to file it. You have to print out all that. So I had like hundreds of pages in my case. I had to print that shit out, okay, just to take it to court. And then I had to print out seven summons, which were 14 pages because it's two pages for each to get them sealed, right? So that was, you know, like 30 bucks right there. And then, no, well, it was more than that, actually. It was like 70 something. And then I had to print out the whole case with everything because I'm not allowed as a citizen to access my court electronically. I have to do it on paper. So I had to go and pay hundreds of dollars to print out my case seven different times to serve all seven individuals, even though it was going to the same place. And all of those had to be done with a process server who I had to pay for delivering and travel. That's number one. So obviously to file a federal court case by yourself, right? Um, and going to like Kinko's or UPS is gonna cost you about $1,000. A lot of people are like, you should get a lawyer. You should have a lawyer come in. Uh, no. Here's the deal, okay? You get a lawyer that you don't know or that tells you they're all that, right? And they come in and the ABA, you know, their bar association tells them, hey, this is going to happen because that happens. Or they put them in a box, right? And say, you know, we'll do this for you. Boom. Or anything, it destroys your case. There was no freaking way that I would let anyone take the first case in all of the United States where this evidence is presented and risk getting screwed over by an attorney because he wanted to make paper dollar, dollar, dollar or feel better later. 
you do understand just like teachers unions, there's shit like that going on with lawyers. So unfortunately we can't find honest attorneys and attorneys that are really honest. They tell you I'm not fighting a case like that. Now there are Patriot attorneys. I see them all over Ohio, but I do not know them to take the first step. When I go to court, that's different. That's when an attorney, when my case is like, oh, you know, you have a date for like, you know, freaking October 4th. I'll be like, yo, I need an attorney for October 4th. Boom. My attorney makes an appearance on October 3rd. Boom. I get seven more days. Boom. And then it's game. So that's how you do it. That's how, that's how you play. Because right now we're playing on big boy turf where citizens aren't allowed to play. You're not allowed to be in the federal court without a lawyer, right? They will all want you to get a lawyer or else you're a loser. And then that's how they want it. But you have to remember these courts are our courts, okay? These are our courts. Now, today, thank God for the Ohio Fund. And thank God that we all went together to the UPS store and filed all of their things. So after all their cases were filed, we have to serve. But the print job is massive. Each case is about 1,800 pages. I'm not kidding. The, the smallest case file was 1,200 pages. So imagine we have to print out the smallest case file, 1,200 pages, seven fucking times. Okay? And that goes for four cases. So that was an immense amount of money. We were like, okay, well, we've got, you know, a couple thousand in there. I, I, I think they raised something like six to 7,000. So that covered the filing fees um, and it covered the printing because it came out to be cheaper per page because, you know, we printed, I think it was a total of like 8,113 pages, right? That's a very specific, yes, it was 8,113 pages. See, I have a very good memory. And so that came out to like 700 bucks, but that's everybody's case. So tomorrow those will be ready and then those will be served. Uh, so that's um, uh, pretty much it. I mean, it would have been easier and not cost us, the people, that much money. I mean, when I printed mine, it was like 200 somewhat, you know, uh, according to the UPS, 20 cents per page, whatever thing that they do. But it was just that amount because we had so many, it dropped down to like something like less than 15 cents a page. So and just so you know, we wouldn't have to do that if we were allowed to electronically file. And I really hope that more people in my area had come together and done it. I mean, there's a lot of people that are trying different ways. They're using like sovereign citizen laws and whatnot. And I get it. Those are the actual laws of the nation. Yes, I agree. One million percent. But here's the thing. If the law says, hey, um, uh, say the law says that uh, whenever you go down an escalator, you need to stand on the left side, right? Let's pretend that's the law. And that's actual law, written law. And for 200 years, people are not standing on the left, but they're standing on the right, right? Everyone's doing it and they're standing on the right, on the escalator. And then you go to court and you're like, well, the law says that you should be on the left. So I'm going to sue. 
And then the judge is like, all right, yeah, it says it, but everybody stands on the right. So I'm throwing this shit out. This is what happens. Okay. If everyone's doing it or that's the way it is, it's done. I get it. That is the law. I get common law. I totally get it. I'm there. But what you don't get is that they won't play your game. They will not abide by that because no one's doing it. They're all standing on the right now. You get what I'm saying? That's how it works. So, you know, there's a bunch of people that are getting together, I think, tomorrow in Medina County, and they're talking about filling out affidavits and filing them with their county. And I'm like, why? You have two parents for two separate schools in Medina County that just filed fucking lawsuits. You can go and take their case and file your affidavit for their case so it actually does something. Right. You can attach it and say, I attest. These people are filing them and then giving them to their county clerk. Okay. So let's just put that scenario on. Okay. Here's the, here's the script. I'm Tori and I'm here to give you my affidavit because I refuse mask mandates in school. Here you go. It's signed and it's notarized. Clerk's like chewing gum going like, um, okay. What would you like me to do? With well, I'm giving you legal notice. This is my affidavit, and I attest that this is a. And so the clerk is like, "All right, okay, thanks." What's the clerk supposed to do with it? Think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. The clerk will be like, "All right," and they'll open up a drawer and check it in there. Did you get affidavits? Yeah, I got a shit ton. Oh, everyone's complaining. Where do we file it? I don't know. I don't know where to attach it to. It's a complaint. All right. They don't like it. We've got 20 of them or 200, 2000. They're upset. Yeah, but we're not the school board. So I don't know. They're pissed off. Where do we file it under fuck knows where this goes? And you know, why are they telling us they need to go be doing something? That's not be doing something. It just makes a record that you put your foot down and you had attested to it, which is your right. And you should be doing that. But it's not something that's actionable right now, right? What they can do is, is that all those Medina people that are filing these attestations under penalty of perjury and getting them signed by notaries, they could take that shit and say, wait a minute, case 17, um, 1731 uh, was filed for the in the county of Medina for this school district. I'm attached my affidavit to that shit. Let's go. And they go to the court and they put that affidavit in just to show support. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything, but they could just say, I want it. They send it to the judge and say, take it. Here's my attestation. That's the problem. Here's, here's where we have a lawsuit that can be replicated. And this is what we're doing. Okay. The state of Kentucky's next. They're already on it. And every single state out there, I'll probably have a call with your um, state guardians um, tomorrow. I will try to have one where we give them the templates with the highlighted sections that need to be changed. Every single one of you have to do simple tasks, which is look up the similar laws of Ohio, like look up the law that I cited of Ohio State and pull it up in your state. Cited. Look up your school board policies similar to the ones that I did cited 
And then we'll have someone mitigate for you to get an affidavit custom and read and filed for your school district. We will get that done. Now, each state has a pool of people. There might be 20 of you that want to file, um, but only three of you qualify because you have children. Uh, you can file TROs. They're the same price. You know, you file your complaint and then you file the TRO complaint. You file it and you're like, yo, we're going to court and I'm suing your ass. And the, the TRO, the temporary restraining order is basically, hey, until that case is heard, let's do something about this mask situation or vaccination situation or social, you know, the, the contact tracing situation. Now, many people say, well, I don't have mask. I have contact tracing. Well, then you need to hold the line because here's the thing. Uh, all these parents that have filed in turn will find that contact tracing is next. If we remove masks, we have to do contact tracing. And that's where you get your amendment. Uh, yeah, fuck that shit. You're not tracking my kid. It's not your dog, right? And you can't call my kid a biohazard. And that's segregating my kid. And it's causing it harm, irreparable harm. And here's a child psychologist talking about it. Not specifically that. What are you going to have? Vaccinated sinks and non-vaccinated sinks? Classrooms for kids that are vaccinated, classrooms that are not? Excluding them from sports because you say they're a freaking threat? Because you said so? No. Bye. That's the thing. So that's the next step. These were the baby steps. The ones that we have the verifiable science that says the masks are bullshit. Everyone's been psyoped across the planet thinking they work. So let's move it along. Um, so the next step is tackling the contact tracing and the vaccinations. Those will be amended as time goes on. All right. And that way you don't have that extra cost to put more money. And this is what, you know, boggles me is that people are like, well, I don't have it. Great. That's fine. You can support the one that does because the minute that it turns into contact tracing and vaxes, you can hop on as a claimant and we can amend that shit. See, people should be in this together. But there's so many people that are like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to file an affidavit. And it's like, dude, what a cop out. You want to pretend you did something, but you're really not. You should be taking your cojones and placing them right into the court and be like, yo. That's what's up. I just turned up. Let's do this. That is how we should be fighting for our kids. Not, you know, I see parents that are filing exemptions. It's like, bitch, no. Here's this. You guys are now in my school, right? It's my school. And I'm like, every single one of you have to wear blue socks and underwear with your butt hanging out. And you're going to be like, fuck that. And I'm like, yeah, nope. You can file an exemption if you don't want to, but that's the rule. And then you all file stupid exemptions. All of you file exemptions saying, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not game with my butt hanging out. That's not happening. My underwear needs to cover my butt. I'm not doing it, right? So you file that exemption. And then one parent's like, no, man, I'm recalling you or I'm taking you to court. And then when I go to court, I'm like, uh, yeah, I do have the authority. Look at all these exemptions I have in my hand. They've just recognized my authority. That's why they asked me to exempt them. You see what I'm saying? This is not the way you're supposed to do it. Exemptions. Acting like you have some authority to tell our kids what to do. Stop. That's the point. So... I'm really glad we got that down in Cleveland. 
We got it in order. We had some really great Patriots that were down from uh, Dayton, and they've got a bunch of people down there. You know, there's people, they're like, yeah, I'm going to get a lawyer. And it's like, good luck, dude. You just fucked yourself over. You could have just waited till later because then we'd have the smart lawyers hop in. But okay, you do you. That's fine. What you don't understand is that the courts want you to use a lawyer. Okay. They want you to use the system. What they don't want you to do, and you can obviously see that, is use the system because it's yours. They make it extremely difficult for anyone to file anything that's not an attorney. They demand you fill out paperwork. They demand you come in person. You have to spend a shit ton of money to print that out. You have to run around and do things. Lawyers don't have to. They just email it and they get answers in like a minute, right? How messed up is that? So again, I've got some down in Cleveland. Uh, Dayton is going to take, I, I know that there's a ton of parents there. Uh, they just have to be careful to keep the numbers down. So they're not class action numbers. I told them, I think 17 parents per filing is pretty good. That's not a class action. It's a good troll too. Um, so they're going to be filing. Um, we've got people in Toledo that want to file. I know there's a lot of people on these Facebook pages that are being pulled in a million directions you know, and, and you know what? I mean, maybe I'm just used to like not talking on the on Facebook. See, I don't like Facebook chats. Facebook chats or Karen chats. It's like those nosy bitches that go trolling and they like look at your kids or what you cooked and then they come back and talk shit, right? Because it's like the messages that I would be like, well, I live in this town. Is it Susie blah, blah, blah that's down the road like this? And it's like, damn, delete. I'm not even going to respond to that message. Like, no, not doing that. Um, because they, they respond differently. And there's so many people that want help you guys. And today I felt defeated because I can tell you, I had an inbox filled with tons of messages from people just pertaining to their kids, how they're being separated and segregated in school because they're not wearing a mask. So because they're not wearing a mask, they could be exposed to COVID. So they need to be separated. They're not allowed to participate. They're putting them in the corner and all these parents, you know, they're just, they're just devastated. And it's like, dude, I'm one person. And it, it seems that these people are smart enough to get on Facebook. They can be smart enough to take that lawsuit and craft it into their own. And today I was completely inert. First of all, here's the joke of the day. How many men does it take to print out a document? And how long, right? Two guys needed to print out one document, men, right? And here we are at 9.30 waiting for them. And, oh, yeah, that Kinko's didn't have, so um, mouse pad's not working. And so we're going to get a mouse and then print it out in an inkjet printer. And it's like, are you kidding? You're going to print out 300 pages on an inkjet printer? Are you nuts? Why don't you just go to UPS and just print it out? Huh? We waited like three hours for two dudes to figure out how to print one document in downtown Cleveland. I was like, stop. But anyway, <laughs> it was. It was all right. After that, I went to UPS. Um, 
while everyone went out to this diner and ate, I went to UPS, got free samples from the new Starbucks that opened up next door and hung out with this big guy named Jonathan. And we just printed out everything and I made sure everything was in order. And then all four cases were there. So I spent hours at UPS standing with this dude named Jonathan going back and forth and we put that together. And, um, and now, you know, we paid and placed the order to pick up tomorrow the seven copies for each of those lawsuits. So it was like, whatever. Um, so, you know, that was my day um, doing that. But I wanted to share that experience so you guys understand that I've just realized that the federal court system, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't file pro se, is really not for the people, Right. They're not for the people. They don't want people filing in federal court. They make it extremely difficult, right? And for me, a temporary restraining order, that means it's an emergency. We need to do this shit now, has turned into, yeah, you filed it on Thursday. I'll see you in a week and we'll talk about it. It's like, um, kind of an emergency. Okay, you're the judge, I guess. You know, um, I wanted to express that to you so you know that. Now, I don't know how the judges are going to respond to the TROs for the other two people. I don't even know if while I'm on air, they got a call from the judge on a decision on their TRO either. So um, it's, um, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. But we'll see how the other two judges, which is Adams and Lyo, um, work on the TROs. Are they going to sit on it for a week? Are they going to wait and see the senior judge, what he's doing? Cause you know, that shit caused a buzz. Clerk is like, damn, this is like the same case as the other one. And this kind of interesting. And we staggered the filings too. So we waited, you know, 30 minutes before we filed another one. Um, so it was kind of fun and exciting and knowing that, um, uh, you know, people are going to be in history regardless they win or not. We really don't give a shit. We're taking it up to the Supreme court. And while people think, oh, how cute, you think you're going to win? It's like, I don't do shit to lose. You're the loser. I don't do shit to lose. And any loss is also a win because you get an answer. You get a legal freaking answer. Here's a legal answer. How the, how the heck can you violate my rights? Under what color of law? Do you think that you can take away my right to breathe clean oxygen because you said so based on what science? Because here's the science and it says you're talking shit. Here's the science that says it's causing harm. Here's the science. They lost. That case is so ironclad. I don't care if Fauci turned up, Lord Fauci turned up with his crowns and shit. It'd be like, hey, Fauci. Can we pull out your industrial hygienist division that has never been tapped by you so they can come and confirm or deny? Ooh, let's bring out this little machine and demonstrate it for the jury on how the air works. Might as well buy 12 of those fuckers and hand it out to each and every one of them, brand spanking new, and say, hey, why don't you try this shit out? Let's check your oxygen levels and see how great they are and how your oxygen is going to start going beep, 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 lack of oxygen right there. See, that's the thing. This is a winnable case, period, regardless of how it is, period. Now, this can be the nice foundation because I'm telling you, Vax passports, oh, you, you better believe that shit. January 1st, they're coming. Oh, you want to go shopping? Yeah, that's not happening. You don't have a Vax passport. 
And then you're going to have bootleg Vax passports. So people are going to be <laughs> arrested and shit. Then they're going to be like, don't worry, you can have a QR code. Maybe you can tattoo it. You know what? There's so many fraudulent QR codes because you know that shit can be hacked. And they're going to be like, maybe we should just implant you with a chip so we're sure. And it's like, well, look at how we got there. Remember all the liberals? We would never do that. We don't force people to take vaccines. Where are we now? Oh, that's right. We're at the forced vaccination shit. See, this is how you get ahead of things by creating the foundations to fix this. I mean, I know a lot of us out there already have fake vax card that we can flash, but you're going to flash them for a while until they're like, shit, there's a lot of fake vax cards. I think we need to start chipping people because people can make QR codes. People can hack the system and insert it. This way we know we've put an ID number, a very accustomed straight to your DNA. How do you have that? All that information you've been giving it to us fool for the past 50 years. We got this shit. That's what's up. So what you need to be doing on that front, right? Is creating the foundations to be able to fight that. And that is by increasing the chances that you can separate those places in the United States that will not care like Chicago. That'll be a city, right? Not the country. People will flee Chicago by masses. So these cases are important. Why? Because when you flee, that means you leave your shit behind. And when they no longer acknowledge the rules of the country, but only of what the city says, you know, kind of like what New York has already started fucking doing, kind of like what Chicago has already been freaking doing. When I told you the countries and the cities were coming back in 2000, I totally meant that. And I was a dude then, so that should have given me more street cred, right? Coming at you like a dude, but whatever. You didn't like my IBM story. So cities and the country, they're here. And Jaunty Tour told you that. I'm a pretty jaunty girl. And I'm telling you, I told you that as a dude. I'm telling you that now as a chick. Can you see it now? Because it's like right here. You could totally see it. New York can't do that. That's unconstitutional. Yeah, watch them. We're going to post pictures and we're going to say we're not discriminating. That's okay because you won't get health department approval. And guess what? We'll take your liquor license away. All that good shit. You can't do that. That's unconstitutional. Fuck your constitution. This is New York. This is what happens. See, this is their plan. This is how they escalate it. You don't get it. You really don't get it. I've been here for decades dropping little stuff. This is where it's at. So if you want to get ahead of things, you need to kind of just lay the platform out and start building. First platform, masks. You've got that ironclad done. You build on that with the vaccine passports, mandatory vaccines, not the passports, mandatory vaccines and all this stuff. Because uh, you know what? I'm going to show you a video of, um, I'm going to try. Okay. We have the messages too showing, which is great, but I want you guys to see this shit because there were people on here that were saying, well, she didn't have to go to that college. She could just go to another one, choose another one. Remember, I mentioned this again, that Ohio Senator who, what did he say? Oh yeah. You know, uh, so what do we do if someone lives in an area where there's a supermarket and there's not another one for a hundred miles, but you won't let them shop food because they don't have a Vax card. Guess what the Ohio business, uh, chamber said. Yeah. Tough shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're telling you and you're not listening. You want to refuse to listen because this is America, right? Yeah. This is America, the country and the cities, the cities will do whatever the hell they want. So, Pay attention to this interview right now. And then I'll pause with the really nasty comments because it's really important that you guys focus. Obviously, I trolled the comments already. 
um, you know, just to, I, I mean, just being me. Cause I get angry. I get really, really angry with ignorant people. They're like, we won't do that. What masks? We would never do that. We've never forced people to put a muzzle on. What? Here we are. Hey, it's only 15 days to slow the spread down. That 15 days has been redefined for almost two fucking years. Uh, we would never force someone to do vaccines. There should be choice. My body, my choice. Where's that? Fucking get a vaccine or else get out. See, psychotic shit. Here we go. Live stream. As many of you know, I emceed the Charlie Kirk event here in Fargo last Thursday. I was introduced to a young nursing student up at the University of North Dakota who now may have to give up her dream of being a nurse because of the uh, COVID-19 jab vaccine mandate. So we got a very special student joining us today and her attorney. But uh, Avery Garfield is a Middle Tennessee State nursing student as well. They have made the vaccine mandated there. And then believe it or not, she was actually um, ushered out of class, if you will, by law enforcement at Middle Tennessee State. So Avery uh, and Russell Newman, her attorney, join us here today. To both of you, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Avery, just to start with, you know, how you doing? I, I, I remember talking to this UND student and you could just see she had tears welling up in her eyes almost because it's such a tough situation. How you holding up? All right. Before they speak, first of all, Let's just take a look at this ginger dynamic duo right there, okay? They look like Irish warriors, Scottish warriors. They're like the ginger crew. So badass. And Avery looks stunning. Like, her hair is on fire. And Russell looks like, dang. Let's just, he looks like, dang. So let's just put it out there. Super awesome. Um, it's been really tough. I've definitely gone through the six stages of grief and there have been, there have been tears, there have been tears, there have been breakdowns. Um, I'm at the point where I'm just so focused on fighting this now that I'm trying to put that grief aside for now. So walk us through the story. I mean, to hear that law enforcement were there, um, obviously seems over the top to many people. So walk us through when you showed up that day, what happened and, uh, how you were leaving the class. Uh, so I showed up um, for this. It, it's, it was a clinical class, um, and they were having a lab but before we go to clinical in the next few weeks. And I, I walked into the hallway where everyone was waiting, and um, there were law enforcement officers waiting there. Um, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, I walked up to them, and I, I asked if he was looking for me. And, and he said, are you Avery Garfield? And I said, yes, I am, sir. Uh, and he walked me down the hall and uh, spoke with one of my teachers. Um, and she asked me, she's like, hey, you don't have the vaccine card uploaded? And I said, yes, I, I will not be getting that. Um, and they, I, I walked out with law enforcement officers out of the building. I didn't resist or anything, didn't cause a scene. I complied. Um, but they were definitely, they were definitely there. And they definitely kept me from going into my classroom. So walk us through... Why were they there ahead of time? I mean, did you have some kind of communication with your teacher? Or what happened exactly? Um, I I don't know why they were there ahead of time, but they were there. They were called. I don't know who exactly called them for them to be there, but. Well, I would like to say I think it was the professor that called them because the professor's kind of liberal. Tori did a little bit of trolling herself. Okay, so this is Tori doing trolling herself. As you can see, the lawyer and Chris already know who did it. She doesn't know, but she doesn't want to say because she's not sure. But Tori did the trolling, so I'm just saying. So I just wanted to pause it right there while they're like, you know, oh, poor Avery. She thinks the best of everyone. And that's what is amazing, that she's just a really good person and didn't dig in and find out. So 
here we are where people are like, oh my gosh, Nuremberg Code. That one deserves like super likes. Uh, this one's like all of my vid plus patients now were fully vaccinated. All of them. Angry face for me. What do you mean? Uh, see what I mean by Facebook people? Like, stop. Damn, why are you on Facebook? Next. <laughs> what do you mean? They were vaccinated. So, oh, this is a fun one. Uh, without violating HIPAA laws, how would a university even know? Well, you know, elementary schools, high schools, middle schools, they all have access to your medical vaccination records and definitely universities. Some of them are like, if you don't have it, and I know it for my daughter, she was going for her uh, double major in um, mathematics and chemistry and they wanted her vaccine record. And she's like, oh, I don't have that one. And they, and they were like, well, you need to go get it again. She's like, no, put that. I'll just go get titers. And, and we got that sorted. Now, another person was like somewhere in La La Land thinking that University of Mary in Bismarck, which is a nursing school, would accept without vaccinations. That's bullshit from a student. Much love, lots of support, support Tennessee stands. They're saying that the university will accept her. She will make a great patient. Um, the nurse part is a little iffy. What? Did you see that nastiness? That. This one deserves, ma'am. So pay attention because we should look at the comments so you can just see the state of malice and evil that people have. So he's saying she'll be a good patient, but not a nurse, meaning she's going to get sick. I mean, there were cop cars outside of the building. Um, they, they were waiting for me. So the, what made you say, hey, I should probably walk up to these guys and say, hey, are you looking for me? Uh, because I had a current lawsuit going and I knew that that was probably why they were there. They knew what I was doing. Um, they knew I was fighting this. They knew I wasn't going to get it. I, I, they probably wanted to make an example of me if I had to guess. So I know you've been doing some other media and the Tennessee star initially, I think shared the story that they had a follow-up. I just want to share with you, uh, it was in a follow-up story because the middle Tennessee state university spokesman, Jimmy Hart told them that you guys did not tell the story accurately. I'm going to quote him here. He says, Hey, after the conversation with the faculty member on the day in question, the student left the meeting, acknowledging that she understood she could not attend class and left the building without incident. Then university. Hold on. Words matter, right? She understood that she could not attend the class, not vaccinate. No, she understood what you fucking said. Doesn't mean she has to do it because she's paying and she's a student and you can't tell her to put shit in her body to attend class. So let's clarify that. University police officers were on site at the request of faculty, but did not at any time detain or touch the student. The officers left the building at the same time as the student, but it was not to escort or remove her from the building. She left freely and of her own accord. What's your response to that? Okay, let's stop right there. Before we hear her response, I haven't heard the full response, right? I'm gonna tell you what's up. This girl literally had armed police officers to escort her off. She actually complied. She didn't fight. She didn't pull out her phone to go viral, right? She complied. She said, okay, I'll go. I can go wherever I want. They said, but I can't go on into class. All right. Let's, let's get that clear. Okay. So that is it. Some people are supporting the rights and she's like, yeah, you're right. But she also is free to ch choice to vax or not vax. She's like, then the school should be able to schedule clinicals elsewhere. Nah, 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 nah. I haven't listened to the whole story, but if law enforcement had to escort her out and she was on private property, 
This is what bitches do. These type of people, they're your oven turners. These are the people that will turn on the oven, okay? They will turn on the oven for you. You'll have to watch it. She's like, absolutely. And she's free to leave whatever private institution is requiring her to vaccinate. It's Tennessee State, right? Okay, so I'm just going to blow this chick out. I called her a Nazi anyway on there or like Hitler follower at some point. We'll see that. But the bottom line is, you know, she's saying that it's private property. It's a national, it's nationally funded with federal tax dollars and it's a university of Tennessee state. Okay. That's not private. That's public. Let's go. Um, yeah. So I, I did not get detained or no one touched me. Uh, I never said anything that they did. Um, I, I did leave of my own record, but I mean, there was, there was nothing else to do but leave with them. Um, so that's why I said what I did. Um, there, there was no incident because I'm not gonna, I wasn't gonna do anything to fight them on it. Like the reason there was no incident is she didn't resist. No, they were going to forcibly remove her. It's uh, amazing to see here, Avery, the people that are, you know, being inspired by your story. And it's part of the reason I want to have you on because I know I can only assume how difficult uh, this situation has been for you. You mentioned you've got a, a lawsuit prior. That's where you presume why the cops are there. What's the other lawsuit, the one you had prior? Okay, before they get into that, here's where I called that lady a Nazi. I said, that's what the Nazi said to the Jews. You're free to leave. So I said, you're a Nazi. Someone else told her, you can move out of the USA with that. I got to love that. Boom. So we absolutely support you. That's great. Thank you for commenting. Tough situation. It's a tough situation. We're losing our rights and freedoms every day. We must start standing up to these people who are pushing their laws and air quotes with a stroke of a pen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Keep fighting. Love that too. Sharing that love. This is discrimination, segregation. I remember when this mess started, everyone said this will never happen here. And here we are. Yes. Trinity Hospital Minot has no vax mandates. Uh, that's a lie. I'm ready to quit my job if they make my job mandatory. There's a lot more people not wanting to take this poison as well. And here they're all the, you know, nosy Nancy's, you know, tagging people. Oh, you got to come see this. Take some time off and wait for the insanity. It's not going to stop. <laughs> the only way it stops is when they can take over as much land of the United States as they can. Um, so let's listen to the rest of this interview. Um, so I was, I'll answer oh, that yeah. question. So we have a, a state case and we have a federal case. So we first filed in the Rutherford County Chancery Court. Uh, we initially asserted only federal claims because the Tennessee code has not been updated here in Tennessee and I couldn't find the exact statute, but we were running out of time. And so I needed a temporary restraining order. So I filed the federal claims in the state court because they have current, concurrent jurisdiction. Uh, the, the TRO was summarily denied and it's an emergency motion that goes straight to the court's docket. We sometimes get responses in a matter of hours. Uh, when our TRO was denied, what I did is I amended the complaint, put the state law uh, claims in there and then filed with the federal court and filed for a TRO in the federal court. So we have federal claims in federal court, state claims in state court, and we have filed for five uh, TROs, four have been denied, three in the Chancery Court, one in the federal court, and we have one that is currently pending. Uh, the court in the federal court said that we did not articulate irreparable harm for Avery. So what we did is we grabbed the America's Frontline Doctors 
lawsuit, their emergency motion TRO language for irreparable harm. We put that in the next TRO. We put in the their motion as an exhibit and the court order, which granted, and we filed it uh, the very next day. So the court denied it on September 1. We filed another one September 2, and that was the same day that Avery was removed by the police. So we have two uh, lawsuits. Federal lawsuit is that, that the vaccine is unapproved and you cannot mandate an unapproved vaccine by federal law. So we're not claiming an, an exemption. We're saying that you cannot mandate it. It's illegal. It violates federal law, it violates code of federal regulations, violates CDC guidelines and the FDA guidelines. So what MTSU is doing is illegal. It is unlawful. And so, it's all, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mr. Newman. Um, go ahead and I'll, I'll ask the question, sir. And then uh, in state court, we have a state statute that was just passed, went into effect July 1 that says you can't mandate a COVID vaccine. And there is an exception, but MTSU does not fall within that ex exception. Whoa, 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 I've heard this piece. So on July 1st, Tennessee passed a law that said you cannot mandate the COVID vaccine? Right, except for uh, healthcare providers that were created under a certain title. But uh, MTSU was created prior to the enactment of the title. So it's a uh, they're not exempt by the law. So it's illegal for MTSU to mandate this vaccine under state law as well. So how do you proceed with that? I mean, it seems sort of like a no brainer with this new information. So how then they are, how are they doing this then to Avery without allowing her to go to class? Well, let's think about what we're asking the court to do. We're asking the court to issue an order to stop the university from violating state law and from violating federal law. I can't get any help. We filed five emergency motions. Four have already been denied. We're asking the court to stop the university from violating the law. And so the way that the case is probably going to proceed is we're going to have to go either to a trial or to some sort of uh, summary uh, judgment hearing where the court's ultimately going to rule. And we're going to need the people to support Avery in this cause to, to let the courts know that we're paying attention and we want you to rule in Avery's benefit. And she has a wonderful support system. Tennessee Stands is uh, paying for my time and for my expenses to, to fight for Avery. And so uh, we really appreciate Tennessee Stands, wonderful organization. So she needs the support. She's all alone. She's the only, you're the only one in the nursing school that we know of that hasn't taken the shot. Wow. I mean, Avery, uh, God bless you. As we said, a lot of people here saying, hey, we support you. Thanks for the inspiration. Um, do you have a good support group at home with family and whatnot? I guess, as I mentioned before, because of the student up at UND, she's got other colleagues that are going through the similar distress. Just what would you say to other nursing students or people in your situation? Um, yes, I do have a wonderful support group with my family and with other people who are going through the same thing. Like the, the, the more people who come up and speak out about this, the more we're going to get this leverage will get this coverage or people who are standing up and fight fighting it's it will inspire other people to do so and and maybe we can make a change with better so mr newman with that being said can somebody in north dakota jump in on this lawsuit if they wanted to or how can they work with you to uh get this going across the country yes absolutely so what we're trying to do is to raise awareness it's, it's not about us i've sent you the federal law the federal case and so you get that into the hands of a lawyer or pro se because uh, federal law applies nationwide. The code of federal regulations applies nationwide. And so you just take the law that I've done. You can put the screenshots in, use it, uh, spread it, 
and fight back because it applies. They can nobody can mandate an unapproved uh, vaccine. And I just want to talk briefly about the approval that allegedly came down. They are correct that something was FDA approved in late August, but the approval was for a biologics license application, a BLA. That is what was FDA approved. The vaccine itself was not approved for use. Yes, and if you see the red highlights, that's going to be uh, going to the emergency use authorization. Both the Comirnaty and the Pfizer vaccine are administered under the emergency use. If you look at footnote eight, you have it on the screen. Uh, it says that, or maybe the next page, footnote eight says that both vaccines are the same. They're the same formulation, but they are legally distinct. They have different names. And so what they did was introduce a new vaccine with a different name, uh, with the same formulation, and that was what was FDA approved. And the, the BLA introduces into commerce a new vaccine for clinical trials. That's to begin clinical trials. This vaccine is not FDA approved in that it, it has completed the clinical trials. It was just approved to start clinical trials. So they have two vaccines going in a clinical trial that hasn't finished with the same formulation, but a different name. And so that's the sleight of hand. So guys, I mean, how awesome is this attorney? I mean, he's going to wipe the floor with Dominion too. You see what I'm saying? I told you that's what's up. That's why he's taking Dominion on too. This is the attorney. Wait till you see where he pops up. Um, that's the thing. He is one of the best attorneys out there. And there's more. Those of you that are in the groups know that there's a few more of these out there, right? And he's new man, new man, right? He's the best. And as you can see, he's very well versed and he knows everything. And he's a ginger badass. Um, so on October 18th, when I go for a closed door hearing with Dominion, he's going to be behind that door with me. Now, as you can see, a lot of people don't know the facts. There's a lot of people that are learning the facts as they go. And someone to be able to afford a lawyer, there's a chance for justice. That's bullshit. We're doing it pro se too. It's just, it's cheaper. Accidentally sent friend requests while I'm reading here. I want to see the trolley comments. There's no more. I guess they all went away, huh? Are these all the comments? I guess so. Fair enough then. Let's listen to the rest of the interview. Pay attention. I dive into that and talk to me like I'm a five-year-old, okay? Because this stuff can get kind of complicated and wonky. So what you're saying is that there's two vaccines, same formula, but the one that we're told was approved is only approved for BLA. So help me understand that so our audience can be like, oh, now I get it. Because you see a lot of news clips about this, but no one really explains it. Sure. So it's the exact same formulation. There is no difference in this vaccine except for the name. And what was FDA approved is they got permission to start a new clinical trial with a different name, same vaccine. So that's what was approved. They can start a new clinical trial. But the footnote says that it's the same vaccine. Wow. Um, Avery, one other thing I want to share before we can find out more about what we can do to support you is I, I think you've also spoken to Tennessee Star a little bit just about, you know, this continues what kind of nursing crisis are we going to face and what is it ultimately going to mean for the patients and the reason you got in this business in the first place? I mean, I mean, it's, it's well known that we already have in the United States, we already have a nursing shortage and I'm not the only 
person in the healthcare field who doesn't want this. Like there's a lot of us. And if we all leave patient care is going to go down because there's not going to be enough nurses to um, care for those patients. Um, and, and they're not going to get what they need to get better, not just for COVID-19, but for just, just everything. I think one of the most shocking things you just said is, hey, Chris, I'm talking to a lot of people in the healthcare industry that don't want this. What, what are those conversations like? What are they telling you why they don't want to take the shot? Um, I, I think we just, we don't have enough information. We don't have enough security in what they're telling us. If you talk about it, you get, you get silenced or they say you can't talk about it or things like that. And I have, I've gotten COVID-19. I got sick. Um, I have that immunity. Um, and I don't exactly know if that shot is safe yet. I don't have confidence in it. And being, I feel violated about the fact that I have to take something that I don't need and I don't know if it's safe. And she's so, a perfect example of someone who does not need it. Not only can they not mandate it, but she's already had it and recovered from it. She's a young, healthy woman who doesn't need the shot. And so it's unconscionable to force this on her. So we got a question that came in that I did want to ask you, uh, Russell. It says, hey, why a new clinical trial, new name, same vaccine, why? What are they looking for in the new trial? Babies. I think what they're doing is to just stir it up, saying that the vaccine was FDA approved to try to get people to take it. Uh, there's some alternative motive. Uh, I think that's evident because what they're doing is what their, their statement is technically true. There was an FDA approval, but you have to ask what was approved. The BLA, the clinical trial was approved. The vaccine was not approved. If you look at the lawsuit and the language, all that red highlight is that it's administered under the emergency use authorization. So for some reason they're pushing this, they want you to take it. Why? I don't know. We know that she, Avery is being forced to take it even though she doesn't need it. She's immune. She has immunity. She doesn't need this. It's not for her health. Why are they forcing it? What's the alternative motive? Those are the facts. I'll let you draw the conclusion. So Avery, last question, what's next for you and what can people do to support your cause? Um, what's next for me is that I, I'm just going to keep doing what I can to, to fight this um, and standing with my lawyer here, um, staying with uh, Tennessee stands and for other people, like I, I would, I would say to take the legal route if you were going to try to fight this because, you know, they do what's illegal, stand strong and do what is legal. Don't go um, trying to like stir up trouble. We can do this peacefully. We can do this in the law. Um, we can we can change things. TennesseeStands.org. Support Tennessee Stands because Tennessee Stands is supporting us in this fight. And we hope to take it to the Sixth Circuit and ultimately to the United States Supreme Court and make law for everyone. To both of you, thanks for the time. Uh, I hope this is not our last conversation. We'll have you back as this thing continues to progress through the system. And Avery, love to just check in on you and uh, see how you're doing, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. You can see the comments here. A lot of people praying for you and saying, hey, stand strong and keep up the good fight. So appreciate it and stay with us. we got much more coming up here on Point of View. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about some custom development and much, much more. Stay with us. So that was Chris Berg. Someone posted, you need to get them on your show. They were on my show last week. Um, so we had this conversation last week. Uh, so the courts is the only place that you can get through this. 
what they're going to cancel they're they're going to deny the tro that's fine you're still going to hear the complaint and what will the state district court say no that's fine scotus will be clogged with a shit ton of lawsuits from across america about masks about vaccines about segregation about businesses treating you like a slave that's what's going to happen like i said SCOTUSgate is going to expose it all, and you are starting to see it. The only way you get SCOTUS is to go through the motions, and that's how you do it. And like Russell said on Fox during that interview, it, you don't have to have a lawyer. You can file this yourself. You already know the facts of your case, and the judge will not argue with you like he would a lawyer. You have to remember that those courts are yours. There's not, it's not a lawyer's court. It's not a company's court. Those are your courts. Every single one of them are your courts. So let's take a quick break. Let's have a listen to this song called Earthquake by Dianon. Yeah. Make sure you got your clearances Before you make your appearances Ain't no telling from them handsome kids Throw dice and I'm seeing what the chances is And I hope I get lucky unless God forbids We've been on the move trying to save the kids We've been on the groove and the music lives Did it on my own without the music biz Laughing cause you know the swamp is funny Crypto they wanna regulate the money Passover, we ain't messing with the bunny. Yo, I guess you got COVID, your nose is runny. Fever, hot temp over the meter. 49 people missing the Peter. And most of his people don't know how to treat her. You can get the jab, change into a creature. Resident Evo, look like a weasel. Poison milligrams out of the needle. Exterminate life, man, they killing the people. Trying to take rights and making it legal. Two wings claim to protect the eagle. Need a brain scan to protect yep an earthquake welcome back hope you got your coffee filled got your water whatever you're drinking i'd like to show this graphic so those of you that are listening on itunes or iheart uh stitcher or wherever else you listen to me voice only there's a little chart has three columns one make statements the other one is unvaccinated vaccinated here's a fun fact can get covid if you're unvaccinated you can if you're vaccinated you can can spread covid unvaccinated people can spread covid vaccinated people can spread covid can die from covid unvaccinated people can die from covid vaccinated people can die from covid can die from vaccine unvaccinated unvaccinated people cannot die from the vaccine vaccinated people can i guess it's down to the choice do you want to risk to die from the vaccine or do you not that's basically it. This is the bottom line. This is the best chart ever. You should spread the shit out of this chart. That is the best chart ever. Because there are tons of people across the nation now, 30 to 60 dying from this vaccine. And boy, how many more are coming? Kidney failures. Liver failures. Hmm. And don't forget the vaccinated. They actually spread COVID as super spreaders because they have a higher viral load than the unvaccinated. So that's pretty spot on. And I agree. 
Dr. Zelenko does need a Nobel Peace Prize. These people are not telling the truth. And that's what's going on. Pregnant people losing babies. Mothers that just had babies got vaccinated, killing them through colostrum, killing them through, I don't know, because they decided to get it in their third end. We have stillborns. Nobody cares. And this is all for a virus that has a 99.99% survival rate. It makes zero sense. But having said that, I thought we'd start with a little bit of comedy because I hear a lot of people saying this. I just want everything to go back to normal. Normal. I think I had the conversation with one of the attorneys today. Like, what is normal? You know what normal is? You want to unsee and unlearn everything you did. You want to go back to where you didn't know shit and you were just happy as a clam. Didn't give a shit. You're like, yeah, they're all corrupt. I don't do politics. You just went about your day. <laughs> now it's getting uncomfortable because you didn't want to do politics. So I thought I'd intro the what is normal. And then we'll get into the how nobody is really normal. You know, just the real stuff. Because we're going to get into some really unnormal stuff in regards to our government, too. That doesn't have to do with vaccines. We're shifting a little bit gears because this shit's going to be coming into focus soon, too. All my friends tell me, you should get a tattoo. Tom, you should get a tattoo. I'm like, I know. But first, I need a really shitty story to go along with it. Because everybody with a tattoo has a boring fucking tale about why and when it happened. It's always like, I just graduated from high school. So I'm going to get a sailboat on my beanbag. And you're like, all right. Fascinating, really. Sometimes it's all right. Sometimes it's like, I love rainbows. Here's four of them. And you're like, I got it. But for every one of those, there's like a thousand. Well, we were in Myrtle Beach. And I didn't think Todd could eat that many waffles. So I got the Chinese symbol of loyalty. What? I don't know. We were drunk. Fuck it. You know? It's lame. Unless you have a tattoo on your face. Now that is a good look. I like a tattoo on the face. Tattoo on the face says, hey, why tap dance when we can tango, right? You tattoo your face, you're essentially saying, hey world, I'm going to go ahead and exchange any and all possibilities of normal human interaction for the gift of instilling paralyzing fear in anyone that looks in my direction. Now, that might sound like a piss-poor trade-off to you, but how about I stab you in the throat because I don't really give a shit because I'm fucking crazy, and that's why I have a crying clown tattooed on my face. <laughs> that's just not normal. This shit right here, not normal. And I know whenever you say something's not normal, every amateur philosopher in the country pops up with, well, what is normal? Is there even such thing as normal? Yes, there is. See the way I'm talking to you right now with my dick in my pants? <laughs> that is normal. The only people that ask what is normal are people that are trying to justify whatever abnormal shit they're into. They can't handle being weird or liking something weird. So they got to play junior college psychologist for you, you know? It's a very distinct line, all right? If you take a shit in a toilet with the bathroom door closed, you are normal. 
if you need somebody to shit on your chest so you can get off, not normal. I think we're clear. So what's normal? Is it normal to violate all foundations of your nation and pretend it's not happening? Is it normal to want everyone else to get the jab because you were a loser and ran and got it first because you thought everything the government told you was true uh, and you're scared and you're like, no, if I'm dying, everyone else is dying because I felt that I had no choice. And it's like, no, bitch, you had a choice. What's normal? So I thought I would, you know, I'm definitely not normal. Okay. Totally fine with that. Everyone is, you know, pretty not normal. I mean, what is normal? Let's, let's just talk normancy in 2020. We live a historian's wet dream, right? We got the Dust Bowl, the Murder Hornet, the Race Wars in fucking Seattle at the same spot. And we had Chaz, self-dedicated little city of a few blocks where they were killing people. Same spot where they had race wars, where white people were fighting because of racism for black people. And black people were like, we're not the ones fighting. Why do you guys hate us? Is them white people saying that they're fighting for us. Have you read the Library of Congress? You think Antifa something new? That shit's been around. Where it's like all these white people writing for black people. And the black people are like, we're not fighting. It's them. Why are you looking at us? It's them. And it happened in Seattle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Coincidence. And then not only do we get race wars, but we got the plague too. So we got the Spanish flu. And then we got the social distancing. But this time they didn't use medical gauze with you know, Red Cross women sewing it and saying, put it on your face. And they didn't shoot you for not wearing it because, you know, it's 2021. You can't get away with that shit. And they had four feet apart. We made it six, a little bit bigger. You know, and we had all these crazy, well, you know, they didn't have the media in their ear every other second. It would be the the village Karen that would be like, you better put it on because I'm a town mayor, you know, or whatever. You know, we had all of that. Is that normal? Is it normal that they're just stealing your elections? Is it normal that, you know, people are wearing masks knowing that they don't work because the fucking box says it on the back. It says it doesn't work for COVID, but that they wear it because it's going to save them from COVID. It's like, is that normal? Is it normal for teachers to tell your children where they go? Maybe you want to be a girl. Um, I do have a penis. Yeah, but you can pick your own. Forget what you could be anything. Do you want to be a plant? You can identify totally as a tree and just stand there all day. What? Oh, here comes a bright eyed child to school. Black child coming to school, all happy and shit. It's like, you've been dealt a bad card because you were born black. But don't worry. I'm going to fight for your right. And we're going to kill the white people so that you can have a fair chance. Kids like, yo, all I wanted to do was play blocks and learn how to count. But that's what the, that's, is that normal? Is that normal? definitely not normal. Is it normal that when you're sitting on the toilet, you got some guy up all up in your phone, turning on your camera and watching you do your business? Is it normal that every time you watch porn, cause you're a little bit creepy, right? People's got it down. Oh, so-and-so likes threesomes. He likes watching fat chicks. So-and-so likes this. Is it normal that there's a file with all your communications, everything you bought, everything you texted, everything you clicked, like, didn't like everything in one file. So when someone wants to fuck you, all they have to do is pull that file and say, all right, how do I make this person tick? He's got these friends, that friend. All right, I'm going to do this. Is that normal? 
Is that normal? Is that what normal is? Huh. So I don't know what normal you're talking about when you're like, I just lying to me normal. It's like, <laughs> you didn't even know what your reality <coughs> was. You didn't even know what was going on. And you're asking for normal that didn't exist, that you thought existed when you didn't know what really existed. Pretty much, right? So let's look at this nice, fun video about how no one is normal. Just to have some tolerance. We all want to be normal, but our picture of what is normal is in fact really unhelpful. So many of the things we're told that are weird are in fact completely average and widespread. For example, if you fear you've married the wrong person, get sick with envy when a friend succeeds, fantasize about your wife's sister, want to cry when anyone criticizes you, dislike the way you look, panic at the thought of going to a party, worry a great deal about farting in public, feel you might vomit during a meeting out of fear, have ever had a lustful thought about a member of your own family, bump your head while trying to get into a taxi, are turned on by some pretty strange people or stories in the news, frequently visit adult websites, regard yourself as a fraud, worry about not making it to the bathroom in time, walk into doors, lampposts, rearview mirrors, and bollards, worry that other people can see your private parts, still think about a relationship that ended badly 11 years ago. then you can quietly congratulate yourself. You are deeply normal. We suffer so much and so unnecessarily because our picture of what is normal isn't true to how most of us actually are. We get disgusted and ashamed of ourselves for no reason. There's nothing strange about being compulsive, manic, anxious, sexual, worried, or mad. Being odd is normal. And that's okay. It's okay. become hard. And that's real tolerance right there. Okay? That's real tolerance. Damn, all that stuff he said that you might have thought were not normal. Damn, that's a Tuesday for me. I'm just saying. I'm super normal then. <laughs> if that's normal and he's like, you're deeply normal. I don't know where I fall on that spectrum. It's so weird. Speaking of that, I wanted to share a private moment without identifying the person, but there's one friend, very good friend, very smart friend, someone that I've grown very fond of because of their heart. And, um, they were traveling and totally random, right? <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it. Uh, and they were like, so, you know, they're at work or whatever, text a picture. Great. I see you're in Sinhole. And they, they, when we spoke about legal matters, uh, the person was like, yeah, you know, I got a straight shot at the Trump hotel from my hotel room, but it's ruined. I can't see out this window thinking about that dude's boots. It's so messed up. Now, is that normal? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you were watching the dude with the boots and never showed his face, that's you. But um, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you can't look out a window without thinking about this dude's boots with no face talking. It's like so funny. There's like thoughts like that. I'm just saying that that was super funny. Um, I found that hilarious because it just goes to show how we associate things too. So, um, 
you know, we're all definitely not normal because we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be different. So speaking of different, let's think a little bit different now. I want to I do some Ron Paul for a second, okay? We're going to go back about five years to Ron Paul video um, because this is something that's going to be coming up soon. It's going to be fun too. So I want you guys should not to listen. And we will not respect those who get rich by cheating everybody else. So today I want to send a clear message to every boardroom, every executive suite across America. If you scam your customers, exploit your employees, pollute our environment, or rip off taxpayers, we will find ways to hold you accountable. Wait. Didn't she do all that shit? I'm just like, damn, pot call, black kettle calling the pot black. What? How's that go? Stop. I usually like the camel thing. One camel scolding the other or making fun of the other camel for having a hump. Guys, I'm telling you, like, this is ridiculous. But let's keep going. That was Hillary Clinton earlier today in Toledo, Ohio, slamming Donald Trump, saying he's not releasing his tax returns because he hasn't paid any income taxes. And the New York Times story basically points to that. However, my next guest says that's not illegal, but the U.S. having even an income tax is. He's former presidential candidate, former Republican Congressman Ron pa Dr. Ron Paul. He's with me now. Uh, how is the income tax unconstitutional? Well, you know, it was ruled unconstitutional during the Civil War period because there was no explicit authorization for it. Then they came along with the 16th Amendment trying to give it the authority. And some people will argue about that. And it was also it's also arguing on whether the 16th Amendment was legitimately passed. But that's assumed that's never going to change the real unconstitutionality of the tax code and the, and the income taxes, the way they collect it, uh, because it is assumed you're guilty until proven innocent. And that's, that turns the Constitution on its head. So it's a method of uh, collecting revenues in a very unconstitutional uh, fashion. I remember in one uh, presidential debate, somebody, uh, one of the Republican candidates was sort of lamenting, you know, about half of the people don't pay any income tax. And I said, we're halfway there. Because uh, really, if you're living in a free society, the founders didn't intend that if you had the proper size government, there would be no income. The the real problem with the income tax is the assumption is made that the government owns you, controls you, and controls 100% of your income, but permits you to keep a certain percentage if you obey the rules and fill out the forms and, and make yourself vulnerable to everything the government does. But uh, in a free society, you should have, uh, in the natural rights, you own your life, you ought to own all the fruits of your labor, and the whole country uh, would be better off if we had a tax system like yeah, that. Dr. Paul, the attitude is, is that the U.S. government owns everything that you earn. That's the attitude. And you point out the IRS is, you know, you're right that you're guilty until proven in innocent. There's no, you know, due process, really. It's, I mean, the IRS does try to, you know, settle tax disputes, but it's really tough and it's so arduous. And, you know, the, the issue of fair share, Hillary Clinton really uh, trying to, you know, double down hard on this. Uh, I mean, the U.S. tax system is already really progressive. Two thirds of U.S. households get more in government benefits and they pay into the system in the U.S. In taxes, rather. I mean, it isn't progressivity. I mean, I think you said Karl Marx would love the U.S. tax code, how yeah, progressive yeah. it is. 
uh, Marx uh, designed it that way. His second plank is a progressive income tax. His fairness business is a, a bunch of uh, baloney, really, because what, what they're saying is uh, if you don't pay your fair share, then you're not participating. But how is it fair that the government uh, arbitrarily uh, say says it's fair that if you take something from one group who are productive and give it to another group because maybe they're on the take from a government contract and doing some useless things and you know we do complain about the welfare state taken from one and give it to the other and i at one time in my life believed welfare was food stamps you know but welfare goes to big corporations very frequently and if you put the military spending and all the other things involved it's it's used it's a very unfair system so for hillary to say it's unfair for somebody not to pay more of their hard-earned dollars to an unfair government and a political system that's there just designed to take care of the special interests. Yeah, Hillary keeps talking about fair share, Dr. Paul, and people out there are saying, well, what about Solyndra, right? All the money blown on green energy policies wasted there. Where are the shovel-ready jobs? So this is the first time in U.S. history, modern U.S. history, that we haven't had one year of 3% growth since 2008. Yeah, and, and you know, they talk about, well, the, there's uh, the, these problems. They say, well, we can pay for this by getting rid of waste, fraud, and abuse. But everything the government does is waste, fraudulent, and abusive and corrupt yeah. because there's always special interests. You know, in a free society, in a constitutional system, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't even be entertaining these ideas uh, because, you know, the income tax is a, a very abusive. But I know we had, a, had a, and while I was in Washington, we talked a lot about taxes as every campaign we end up hearing this but tax taxes isn't the thing to look at taxes what we have to look at is the spending as soon as the government yeah. spends money for political reasons you have to either have an income tax you have to have a, a sales tax you have a flat tax but or they borrow the money that's a tax on the future generation or you have the worst no second worst is the inflation tax you know you just print the money and dilute the value yeah. of people's savings and that goes on forever so it's big government is spending its debt and we have to change the minds of the American people that they don't have to accept this liberal philosophy that deficits don't matter, debt is good, the government should spend money if they don't have enough, spend more, print the money, and that's how you go to prosperity. I mean, why work why if it works? works yeah. Right, Dr. Paul, why work if you just print and spend your way to prosperity in tax, too? Well, so, yeah. that, that is especially true for the people who issue the reserve currency of the world. Yeah, because the if, point. if anybody thinks that's going to continue, we certainly don't have All to right. work. And that's one of the reasons we okay. export jobs, because we can export our money and our uh, inflation. He was talking Dr. about Paul, the IMF. She needed to shut him up. Don't talk about the IMF right now. We'll get that bird LeGrock. Let me tell you something. All right. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a hint. No, I can't give you a hint. Damn it. I'm just going to wait for the documentary to come out. Because that's where you can see who really does the fraud. Damn. You're going to see an organization that does the fraud that's going to blow your mind. So, okay. So, he said that people are not understanding if the 16th Amendment was properly ratified or whatnot. So, I thought I'd start with, you know, my favorite liberal high school teacher that teaches law. And I want to hear what he has to say about the 16th Amendment. I mean, if a law hasn't been ratified, but we're acting, well, an amendment hasn't been ratified, but we're acting like it's ratified. It's like everyone, the law says that you're on the left side of the escalator, but everyone's on the right. So it's God be true. Do you see what I'm trying to say? All right. 
Let's take a look at this one. Hey guys, welcome to Hip Hughes History, the Constitution for Dummies series, Arches Forward, Amendment 16. Guys, true or false, the United States federal government could tax income before the 16th Amendment. And of course, you know that's true. That's right, guys. Let's learn about the history of the 16th Amendment, what it says, what it means, where it came from. And let's see if we can't grow our brain. Giddy up for the learning, guys. Here we go. All right, we're going to read the words in a second, guys, but I want to get kind of the umbrella statement down. And the umbrella statement, if you're in a, like an American history course, is the idea of graduated income tax. Um, and basically the way that I have my kids remember it, it's a little bit stupid, but I always say to them, hey, happy birthday. It's your 16th birthday. Oh, I got you some cash. Aren't you graduating high school? Now, I know that's a little bit to remember, but if you remember that joke and your 16th birthday, you get cash before graduation. That's the whole idea. Income taxes, the money concepts, of course, it's the 16th Amendment and uh, the idea of you graduating, that you're you know rising to the next level is actually the effect of the 16th Amendment, that we're going to have an income tax that's based on basically your income. So the more money you make, the higher percentage of an income tax that you're going to pay is a percentage of your income. So there we go. Let's read the words now. Happy birthday. It's your graduation. I got you some Momo. Momo. So there we go. We're going to read the words. Words are important. Let's put them on the screen. Maestro, a little bit of music. The 16th Amendment. The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment amongst the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. So that's the 16th Amendment. And what the 16th Amendment really does is it kind of changes the meaning of some earlier parts of the original Constitution. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. Um, you can see the link below, um, basically says in terms of House representation that that shall be apportioned by census. And it also says direct taxes. So apportionment and direct taxes would be apportioned by census. So of course the question becomes, what is a direct tax? We're gonna talk about that in a second. Article one, section eight, clause one, which is kind of the laundry list of delegated powers that we give to Congress includes the power um, to tax, okay? And we also see in Article 1, Section 9, um, basically a limit on Congress, again, referring to the idea of direct taxes having to be related to apportionment. Apportionment is the idea that we look at the census and the direct taxes are kind of correlated to the census of that state. So larger states could have larger direct taxes. That process is very mushy. The big misconception, this is the life alert right here. The big misconception is that the 16th Amendment is what kind of legalized or allowed for income tax in general. And that's just not true. Um, previously, the Revenue Act of 1861 and the Revenue Act of 1862 were not only direct income taxes um, on the people, but they also were graduated. In the Civil War, there was a 3 to 5% graduated income taxes on salaries above $600. Um, and this was allowable. This was, was upheld. However, those taxes eventually expired. Um, and without that type of income tax, there begins to be more reliance on the tariff. This is kind of, you know, Lincoln and the Republican Party and the idea of tariffs. The problem with tariffs in terms of people that have problems with tariffs is that it taxes goods. So people that rely more on 
uh, their income and spending that money right away because they need uh, to buy, you know, necessities for the house or they're a farmer and they need to buy necessities to farm, yada, 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 are going to see higher prices. The tariff affects them more. During the late 1800s, there becomes kind of a call of action from the populists, not just the populists, but the greenback movement, um, the Democratic Party, um, especially under um, uh, William Jennings Bryan, the Socialist Party, uh, the labor movement, all of these kind of uh, people, interest groups from the lower end are calling for some type of income tax. And that happens in 1894. So in 1894, we get a new income tax. This income tax is like 2%, something like that. But someone's going to have a problem with it. So bring on the Supreme Court case. Supreme Court case. So in 1895, we get the court case Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust. And Pollock is basically suing the company that he owns stocks and the corporation he owns and he owns stocks in because that corporation is paying this new tax. This new tax is the Wilson-Gorman Act. It's a 2% income tax on incomes over 4,000. But what Pollock, and I think Pollock owns like 10 stocks or something, so it's more of a kind of like an ethical thing, I guess. He's against this corporation that he has a piece of paying this income tax because he believes it's a direct tax and it's unconstitutional. And the Supreme Court agrees. So this is the big deal. The big deal is that they're cutting off the stream of taxes that are coming, not from income from labor. We're not talking about the guy that works at Walmart. We're talking about the guy that owns Walmart, basically saying that um, you can't have a tax on property. That's been established. That's a direct tax. So the federal government can't have property taxes because that's a violation of Article 1, Section 2 of direct taxes without apportionment, right? Um, but what the court says is, is that income that's made off your property, not your labor, your property. So a corporation, I guess, being that property. So uh, dividends and rental income and any other income other than labor that's made, money that's made off money can't be taxed because that's a direct tax. And that direct tax is a violation of the Constitution. So this shuts down a huge stream of income for the federal government. And then at the turn of the century, we see kind of a change in economic factors. There's a rise in the cost of goods. So tariffs are hurting the people. And we also see the development of kind of progressive Republicans like Teddy Roosevelt and kind of the urban centers of the North becoming more progressive them wanting um, that income stream from the upper echelons of society corporations. So in 1909, Howard Taft gets behind the idea and Congress uh, gets that proposed amendment through and throws it to the states. Remember, two thirds of both houses, three fourths of both states. So in uh, 1912, um, all three candidates support it, right? You have the bull moose, Teddy Roosevelt. You got my big man, William Howard Taft. And you got my spectacle guy, Woodrow Wilson. They all support this kind of progressive idea of an income tax. And it finally comes true in 1913, February 25th, we get the 16th Amendment. Um, it needed 36 states. It got 42 states. And uh, basically what that has been translated into is a graduated income tax. But look, Congress can change that. We can have a flat tax or we can go back to tariffs. But constitutionally now we can tax money that's made off money. And remember, if you repeal the 16th Amendment, you still could have income tax. We established that, right? Income tax on labor. So the working man could still have his income tax, but I guess that his boss wouldn't have to pay the income tax. Something like that. <laughs>
I think it's important that when we talk about income tax, that we know a little bit about the history of income tax since 1913. And if you look at the chart, you can clearly see that starting in 1913, with the top rate being about five, six, seven percent, it quickly jumps up in World War One upwards to 78 percent. During the 1920s, the tax rate is lowered. This is kind of the laissez-faire administration of Harding and Coolidge, Coolidge and Hoover, um, about 27%. And then uh, during the Great Depression, we see it jump up all the way up to about 65%. And then when World War II starts, we're jumping up to 80, 90, 95%. What? So we have tax rates up to 90% when we're at war? Pay attention. That rate then stabilizes a little bit down to about 70% um, at the end of World War II. And then with the Reagan Revolution, we see it drop down all the way to around 35%. And then um, basically fluctuating very close to that 35% range through the 1980s, 90s, and all the way up to today. Now, there's definitely people out there I know that think that uh, this is a faulty amendment, that the process was somehow tainted or... Um, that the 14th Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause would bar kind of the idea of a graduated income tax because we're treating people, I guess, non-equally by taxing them. To There's also an argument out there that the amendment doesn't include repeal language, so therefore it should be nullified or voided. Um, you could throw it down there in the comments. I think that right now most of that has been found pretty frivolous in the uh, court system. That doesn't mean it's not, you know, right. I don't know, but you can think what you want. I don't care. Jimmy Crack Horn, I don't care. He's just giving you the facts, but I'll tell you what, in court, people have actually won. And guess what? After they win, they die. So weird. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But in the meantime, here's a nice little neat segment. And it says, how did we start paying in income tax? Hey, so how did you feel when you received your first paycheck? I was pretty excited, I'll be honest. I worked for weeks and weeks and there in the sealed envelope was my very first hard-earned compensation and I had so many plans about what I was gonna do with the money. But those hopes were brutally dashed the moment I read the bottom line. By the time the money actually got to me, it had been sliced up like a pizza. An alphabet soup of government agencies each got their cut before I did. But what are taxes anyway? How do they work and how do we end up with this present system? First things first, the basic idea of taxation is pretty simple. There's some sort of state or similar authority that imposes a levy on an individual or a legal entity, like a corporation or something. If you can't pay, then you can be charged with a crime. This is a very old concept. It dates back as far as Mesopotamia and Egypt's old kingdom. Nowadays, the tax man's not going to beat the crap out of you for being late, but the system is way, way more complicated. In the United States, the taxes you pay vary from person to person, uh, from company to company, from check to check, and then from state to state. However, most people do have to pay the federal income tax. And the U.S. tax system is huge, complex, doesn't even begin to describe it. A better word would be Byzantine, which I looked up earlier. In 1913, Congress passed the 16th Amendment, and the 16th Amendment says this specifically. 
The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. Okay, let's be honest. While most folks in the U.S. only think about taxes when April approaches, the process really begins when you start a new job. You and your employer agree on your compensation or before-tax income. Next thing you do is fill out a form called a W-4, and it determines how much income tax your employer will withhold from each check. Why do they do this? Good question. Employers are required by law to withhold income tax and deposit the money in a Federal Reserve Bank, and this is how the federal government maintains a steady stream of income while also drawing interest on your tax dollars. Pretty clever, huh? So instead of paying taxes once a year in April, you're actually paying them all year long, every time you get a paycheck. Now the rules change when you're a freelancer or an independent contractor or you're otherwise self-employed. Nobody's gonna withhold income taxes each time you get paid by a client or a customer, so it's up to you to manage what you owe. What's a good way to think of income taxes? Let's, uh, let's think of filing income taxes in April, kind of like settling up with the IRS. All you're doing is figuring out if you paid the right amount of cash. If you pay too much, boom, you get a refund. If you pay too little, boom, you're writing another check. Income tax forms like the 1040 are notoriously confusing, but that's because they're based on a code that's more than 5,000 pages long because somebody thought that would be a good idea. Presidential candidates are always talking about revising the system, but how, right? Well, there are all sorts of potential alternatives, like, for example, this thing called the flat tax. Under a flat tax system, everybody pays the same rate. So proponents of a flat tax system say that it would do away with all the complicated codes and forms. Critics say this system favors the wealthy. And that's not the most controversial idea. There's another one. Uh, it's even more controversial than the flat tax, the idea that we should just repeal the 16th Amendment altogether, abolish income tax, don't worry about it. In place of income tax, then, they would have a national sales tax. So many countries around the world already levy a national sales tax. You've heard of it before. It's called a value-added tax, or BAT. The difference is that most of these countries also collect income tax. U.S. backers of this plan want to get rid of the IRS and charge a flat 10 to 25% on all retail purchases of new goods and services. So people who are fans of this say that a consumption tax collects revenue from everybody, even illegal residents, tax dodgers, tourists from other countries, etc. Opponents say that it puts an unfair burden on the middle and lower classes who buy a lot of the stuff that would be taxed. They also say it might reduce consumer spending, slowing the economy down. And then they add that in order for it to be fair, it would have to be applied to the purchase of stocks and bonds in addition to consumer goods. Yeah, so it's no secret uh, that taxes are a bitter subject in many countries. And the United States has had a, at best, a rocky relationship with this issue. The U.S. doesn't just have one of the most complicated tax systems in the world. It also grows more complicated each year. This is a politically charged, divisive issue, but there is one thing that everyone can agree on. The current system is not perfect. So here's a question. What would you change if you were in charge? Let us know in the comments. Go ahead and like and subscribe. I'm going to tell you something now. Um, this is going to be very important for what's coming. I want you to just picture this. Chicago decides that they make their own laws and 
forget what the federal government, we don't care what the country of the United States says. We do what we do and we're independent, okay? So they can tax their citizens, they can do what they like and they have to trade with us as a different entity, right? Because they have their own rules where people use digital currency, they abide by the rules that they want. If you take, I want you to think of this 16th amendment and apply it to a digital credit currency that you cannot have any physical control over that goes through a centralized system of the government. I've mentioned this before. This is where one day you go to the store to buy milk and you don't have credits when you scan your wrist and you don't know why, but apparently because you hadn't paid for a ticket uh, for your child on a bus and, you know, the bus driver missed it because the kid isn't chipped yet because they're not financially mining currency for employment. Um, uh, they take that money away with a fine and now you don't have money to eat because it's automatic. You think that's funny? Hmm. Future is not that pretty. Because right now, as I've said, like in every war throughout time, it's about territory. There are many, many people that want to go back to normal, which we understand was never normal, okay? And was never good. They want to forget the things they learned. They want to forget the things they saw. And many people will refuse the truth. They will, you will sit there and you can show them, hey, this person did that. Hey, that person did that. They're all acting. They're not in charge. It's this person or that entity. Those are in charge. They're not in charge. They will refuse to look because they want their pumpkin spice latte. They want their apartment. And they don't care if they only get 30 years out of it. That's what they want. They will make it look like a utopia for the first generation to usher in the second generation. And then suddenly that city has walls and they cannot escape. Suddenly the history has changed and the new generations will learn that beyond those walls is savage land and that there's nothing there for you to see. And there will be a buffer between those walls and society as you know it. Great, wall or great wars will happen, but how much of the territory will they take? How much? of the territory will they take? Okay, they have Canada, that's one, right? And they'll go up that way. But what about the scatters? You'll see what I mean. But going to that, there was a person who um, showed what the 16th Amendment, how the 16th Amendment is unconstitutional. And I want you again to just pay attention. We don't need this right now. But we will need it soon because this is a battle we will fight before the battle is needed to be fought. See, kind of like the mask mandates. This is the time to put it up for a battle that we may need to fight now to avoid one later. Cool. If not, I mean, I'll, I'll even settle with being equally as tyrannical as the governments of 300 plus years ago. Equally as tyrannical as the monarch that the United States declared their independence from in 1776. 
And one of the things that this tyranny needs, just like all tyrannies needed before it, is money. Or more specifically, tax slaves. So I believe that going after income tax by repealing the 16th Amendment, by repealing the income tax law, I believe that we can rein in this tyranny a bit. And not just that, by getting rid of this involuntary tax on us, not only do we deal a severe blow to this tyranny's power source, we also will bring forth a government that will be more voluntary-based. A government that we will have more of a say in because we will be able to vote with our dollar as well as at the ballot box. So let us begin by looking at the 16th Amendment. Okay, This is what I like to do. This is how I like to work. I like to say, what are we dealing with? Let's first identify, correctly identify what we're dealing with before we try to address it. Okay, So let's identify the 16th Amendment since that's what this video is about. So the 16th Amendment says, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. Now, the most important part here in the 16th Amendment, the part that we are going to be paying the most attention to, are these first couple of words. The Congress shall have power. Okay, so the 16th Amendment is clearly granting a power to the federal government, specifically a power to Congress. Okay, now let's show exactly which amendments this is violating. Okay, so now the first thing it's violating is the 10th Amendment. Let's look at the 10th Amendment. So the 10th Amendment clearly says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. The 10th Amendment, the purpose of the 10th Amendment, was to put a cap on the federal government's power. After the 10th Amendment, the federal government is not to receive any more powers. And, you know, to understand this, to bypass the, the Supreme Court, so the Supreme Court can't come in and be like, oh, that's not what it was for, that's not what the 10th Amendment means. Fuck the Supreme Court. We don't need a couple of assholes who are chosen by another couple of assholes to tell us how to interpret something that's written in plain fucking English. Okay? And it is a, it's such a disrespect to think that we do. To say, oh, no, no, actually, sorry, we need these guys over here to interpret this thing that's written in plain English. It's like, how fucking stupid do you think we are? To understand why the Tenth Amendment is most definitely a cap on government power, to be able to better interpret the Constitution than the Supreme Court, you have to understand where these things came from. You have to understand the history of the creation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It's, it's actually horrible that they don't teach this shit in public school. I went my whole life not knowing about the Anti-Federalist, and then I get into university. I'm fortunate I was an English major, and I read the Anti-Federalist papers, and immediately I'm like, what the fuck, man? How come they didn't teach us this shit? But anyway, I digress. I'm sorry, guys. So now to understand the, the Bill of Rights, to understand the Constitution better than the Supreme Court, we have to now go back to the Anti-Federalists and understand why these amendments came about. And so you guys know this information, these Anti-Federalist papers I'm going to be looking at right now, they are going to be coming from this book entitled The Essential Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers by David uh, Mouton or whatever, however you pronounce that. So on page 15 of this book, 
we come across the anti-federalist paper titled Address of the Minority of the Pennsylvania Convention. Okay, let's just stop. I totally dig this dude, right? Like this dude is spirit animal. Hold on. Let's just let's just follow Mr. Uncensored. Love him. No censorship. Love it. Let's go. That's actually the abbreviated title. I believe the full title is the address of the minority of the Pennsylvania Convention to their constituents or something like that. So on page 15, it says this near, near the top. The legislative power vested in Congress by the foregoing recited sections is so unlimited in its nature, may be so comprehensive and boundless in its exercise, that this alone would be amply sufficient to annihilate the state governments and swallow them up in the grand vortex of general empire. So clearly, this line here, this section that I've just highlighted here, is talking about the power vested in Congress. Okay, see, that's actually a complaint the anti-federalists had, was that the power being given to the government with the Constitution is basically unlimited. If you have a, a faction that takes over the three branches, they can do anything. They can pass any law. And, and this is why the Tenth Amendment came about, because the anti-federalists saw through this bullshit, and they're like, no, 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 no. We need an amendment that will address this. We need an amendment that will put a cap on the federal government, that will put a cap on this government being created. Now, going backwards a little bit to page nine, this is actually going to, a point I'm going to be making here is that income tax was already thought about way back then. Okay, they actually, the anti-federalists already covered it. So on page nine in the same chapter, Address of the Minority of the Pennsylvania Convention, we find a list of suggested amendments. Now, what happened here was the uh, anti-federalists in Pennsylvania, they were reviewing the Constitution. And they said, no, you know, you guys, this Constitution does not guarantee any of these protections. So they created a list of protections or a list of suggestions that the Constitution should be amended with. And a lot of these actually did make it into the Bill of Rights. For example, Number four here, if you read it, says that excessive bail ought not to be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel nor unusual punishment inflicted. Okay, so what is said here was taken to heart and actually was made into the Bill of Rights. So now I'm going to get down to number nine. Oh, that's pretty funny. Number nine on page nine. So it says here very clearly that no law shall be passed to restrain the legislators of the several states from enacting laws for imposing taxes except imposts and duties on goods imported or exported, and that no taxes except imposts and duties upon goods imported and exported and postage on letters shall be levied by the authority of Congress. See, right there, the anti-federalists clearly state, no, the, the government, the, the federal government, Congress, shall not be able to impose any other taxes. And this was something that they put forward. And I believe what they did was they came to a compromise, because if you look through, uh, th through these amendments, or through these list of complaints, a lot of them were grouped in with other amendments that made on the Bill of Rights. For instance, the First Amendment covers a lot of the stuff here. And I believe the Tenth Amendment was also supposed to cover this complaint. The 10th Amendment, which was a cap on their power, was supposed to say, no, 
You do not get to tax us on anything else. You do not get any more power than that. But anyway, moving away from the Anti-Federalist Papers and moving back into the realm of, um, you know, I guess current day reality, because I know people can say, oh, well, you know, just because the Anti-Federalists said that doesn't mean it's true. Well, you know, the cap on government power, the Tenth Amendment, is fucking plain and simple English, okay? And the fact that the 16th Amendment starts off by saying that, oh, uh, we're authorizing power to the to the Congress, boom, right there. Okay, so you're violating the 10th Amendment. The 10th Amendment clearly says you should, have, you should only have the power that's in the Constitution and all the other powers, even if they're, they're not listed anywhere, shall go to the states or the people respectively. So, whatever. Going on now to the, uh, what amendment are we at now? Um, okay, you know what? Let's go to the... 14th amendment is this the 14th amendment you know what guys i just realized i don't have the 13th amendment in my in my shiza here where's my 13th amendment at you gotta be kidding me okay i'm gonna have to put the 13th amendment in here so right now I'm, we're, we're gonna go to the 14th amendment okay so specifically we're going to look at the uh section one of the 14th amendment so here's what the 14th amendment says and by the way the 14th amendment is uh what they use to try to justify abortion i'm going to talk about that real quick too let me first read the 14th amendment or at least section one of the 14th amendment so all persons born or naturalized in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the united states and of the states wherein they reside no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. Now, I'm going to show what the 16th Amendment violates is the deprivation or the depriving a person of life, liberty, or property, because money is a form of property. And, and you know, they're doing this without due process, without due process of law. Now, there's a difference. With, without due process of law does not mean without due process of legislation. Okay, due process of legislation and due process of law are two different things. What this means is that they cannot deprive you of life, liberty, or property unless they have proven in a court of law that you have been guilty of a crime. Okay, then they can deprive you of your liberty. They can put you in jail. If there is a law of uh, you know execution, they can then also deprive you of life. And if they have shown that you have broken a law to unjustly uh, take that to uh, achieve that property, like you know. Um, Kind of like um, civil asset forfeiture laws, where they have, um, if you if they can prove that you sold drugs, they can like seize your assets or something. I'm kind of against civil asset forfeiture laws because they like they're heavily abused. Like, let's say if there's a child, like you know, let's say if I have a son, let's say if I own a house and I have a son, and that son is caught selling drugs, then they can say, oh, that that son's drug money went into funding the house, and thus now we can take your house. Absurdity. Okay, but I'm just trying to talk about how this is referring to due process of law. So this does not mean that they can create a law through legislation that can deprive you of life, liberty, or property and then be okay with it. No, no, that's not, that is not a justification. That is not what this means. So right there though, the 16th amendment is violating this. It is depriving us of property without due process. And yes, money is property. Here goes a little thing, a uh, property law, legal definition of property law, a uh, property law, personal property, also referred to as movable property, is anything other than land that can be the subject of ownership, including stocks, money, notes, 
patents and copyrights, as well as intangible property. Okay, so clearly that violates, or the 16th Amendment is violated by that. Now I'm going to just go off a side note and talk about how they try to use this to justify abortion. And it's actually funny. I actually fig- I found this out by talking to somebody who's currently going to law school. So the person who's going to law school, he's like, oh, yeah, the clause, they're trying to say that um, that this is depriving the woman of her, of her liberty. No, but the thing is, like, nobody has the liberty to take a life. Anyway, now, um, since I don't have the 13th Amendment here yet, I'm going to now just cover the First Amendment. I'm going to go over how the 16th Amendment may possibly violate the First Amendment. Now, this one is entirely up to interpretation. This is just, you know, I say that this one's arguable. The, uh, the 16th Amendment violating the 10th Amendment is not arguable. The 16th Amendment violating the 14th Amendment is not arguable. And I'm going to show soon after the First Amendment why the 16th Amendment also violates the 13th Amendment in a not arguable way. It's a fact. But here it might be arguable. Okay, so um, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I would say that the 16th Amendment, by taking money involuntarily from people and then using that stuff on things that those people have no say in, you're then you're you're violating that person's religion. What if that person's religion? What if you're a Christian, right? And this is actually what's happening. By the by our taxes funding things like abortion and war, more important than abortion, war, it's violating all those religions that are against murder, that are against war. What if there's a pacifist religion that that's saying, hey, you know what? Um, I don't want to be funding war, I don't want to be funding death and destruction and chaos. You know, guess what? Then the 16th Amendment, by taking that person's money involuntarily, you're violating that and, and funding these things, you're violating that person's religion. That person is no longer exer- uh, uh, exercising their religion freely. They're actually, you're actually directly making this person violate their religion. And you know what? All religious people, they need to take that shit into consideration. They should have, they should have a very heavy conscience right now because they have to realize, oh, guess what? Um, you're indirectly breaking your own religious edicts. You're indirectly being a sinner. I'm not religious, but I'm just trying to stick up for the people who are. So now let's move on to the 13th Amendment. Okay, while putting the 13th Amendment in here, I realize this video is getting a little long, so I'm going to try to make this really quick, all right? So the 13th Amendment. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Beautiful. Now, the point that I'm going to get to here is involuntary servitude. These are involuntary taxes. So, of course, we can say they're involuntary servitude, but let's look at the definition of servitude. Okay, servitude, the first definition here is a condition in which one lacks liberty, especially to determine one's course of action or way of life. Oh, dear. What amendment was that? Let me see the chat. Have you guys been paying attention? What? 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 Come on. I'm like looking. What? All right. Um, you know, 13th Amendment may be in our class action shoot because no one's really talking about it. A condition in which one lacks liberty, especially determined one course of action or way of life. Oh, wait a minute. So you're telling me you are forcing me to choose 
or else I can't have my way of life. Mm. I see. A right by which something owned by one person is subject to a specified use or enjoyment by another. Hmm. What's something that I own? My body. Is it subject to specified use or enjoyment of another? Um, I'm just saying. Just pay attention. Definitions. The 16th Amendment is important. But as you can see, all of these amendments trumpet. I'm just saying. Anybody ever talk about the 13th Amendment? Obviously not. See, definitions. How many times over the years have I said, you know, changing definitions, moving definitions, doing definitions, doing shit. So I think that I'm in a condition where I'm lacking liberty, especially to determine my course of action or way of life. Just saying. Just saying. Let's finish up this little video. Okay, so involuntary taxes, boom, right there. You're not, you lack the liberty to determine the course of your actions or way of life. You know, right there, you're, you're, you are being hindered. But that's not the definition I want to focus on. The one I want to focus on is the one beneath it, which says very clearly, a right by which something, such as a piece of land owned by one person, is subject to a specified use or enjoyment by another. Okay, once again. Something, my money, which is my property, owned by me, by one person, is subjected to a specified use or enjoyment by another. The government comes in and says, no, that right there, that uh, that your money right there, we're going to now subject that to a different use. We're going to now enjoy that in a different way. Boom, right there, done, clear case. We don't need any fucking Supreme Court to figure this shit out. <laughs> well, we're going to make the Supreme Court kind of spell it out. See, that's how we work. I like him. I really like him. Mr. Uncensored, you're like my spirit animal. So having learned about the 16th Amendment, ratified, not ratified, maybe ratified, nobody gives a shit. That's going to come into play next year, but we're going to bring it into play this year. You're going to see how that happens. But you know what? 13th Amendment. I mean, that's pretty badass. Where's the 13th Amendment in these cases? I don't know. But on that note, guys, I'm going to bid you a great evening. Um, hopefully, I will see you tomorrow. If I'm leaving off uh, for a um, funeral, I will let you know. Um, and I'll let you know how everything else transpires, too. In the meantime, please stay safe. Stay happy. Oh, and enjoy the song about children crying. That'll be a topic for tomorrow.
Thank you.